And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good day, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Hello. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you here today. Uh, the discussion on the table today is a very uh, profound one, yet a very simple one, and that's concerning our eternal salvation, our relationship to Jesus Christ. You know, we're Christians here, uh, born again of the Spirit of God, and um, it's important to us. It's important to have um, what we would call covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Gentlemen, uh, have you ever found that uh, some people um, seem to lack assurance? Maybe they talk about the Bible, but mm, the assurance really isn't there. I don't think there's any question, uh, Dan, that uh, this whole issue of assurance uh, is a problem for many people. Now, there's also no question that sometimes it's due to temperament. Some people are more fearful, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. can less be assured. That's, that's, that's a pastoral problem. And uh, we need to be able to reassure uh, those who, by nature, that may be timid or or uh, uncertain in their approach. Uh, nonetheless, there is also a lack of assurance uh, for many people, and it really is a theological or a mm-hmm. biblical problem. In other words, they do not, I think, clearly understand the gospel and the way the Bible presents the finished work of Jesus Christ and what it means for us. So, yes, mm-hmm. I would say so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can remember when I was in high school, I, we had a uh, Youth for Christ group, and so we were all from different churches, and I, I remember one young high school classmate who was a year behind me or two years, I can't remember which, he'd come in and every week he got had got saved again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was, a, you know, obviously a misunderstanding of uh, uh, salvation. And, yeah. Sometimes in the revivalistic tradition that I've been a part of um, uh, in my youth, uh, the uh, thing was that we would notice that the same people, uh, every revival that was held in our mission, it was an inner city mission, Mm -hmm. the same, usually young people would get saved over and over and over. They would come forth at the altar call, and um, it was not a matter, uh, it seems to me, of anything but misunderstanding Mm. Uh, what the gospel is, okay. and uh, for reasons that I cannot uh, articulate, they were uh, never really directed or taught properly, and I, I think at the time I wasn't in a position to do it either. Yeah. <laughs> now, maybe on the positive side, these people um, had a tender heart towards the things of the Lord, and uh, the scripture was preached, and they felt some need to respond, so uh, I certainly don't want to take that away from him, but... Right. Let's uh, delve into a little bit um, this thing of being born again of the Spirit of God. Um, John, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the notion of being in a revivalistic upbringing and um, experience. I I think we all, having lived through um, the latter end of the 20th century, um, maybe the middle of it, maybe even a little bit before the middle of it. (laughs) Watch yourself there. (laughs) Have have all become uh, certainly... Even admirers of of the Reverend Billy Graham and oh yes, um, mm-hmm. some of his techniques. Um, I think what we tend to do, however, is uh, or or maybe some of us we we saw that technique 
uh, that style that he used, and we somehow start to inappropriately equate that to the only way God saves people. So maybe as we segue here, can you think of various experiences how people have come to Christ? Can we talk about that a little bit? You know, I would just want to add one thing, though, um, before we we quite get there. I can remember that uh, some people were under the impression, see, I grew up in in the revivalistic Methodist tradition, Uh that if you didn't actually come to what is called the altar rail or the mourner's bench, and kneel down there, you really couldn't be saved. That's right. And that, that goes back, actually, to the 19th century with the Second Great Awakening and the, the haystack. Yes, it and, does. And it, goes, it, it stems Charles, from that. Charles Finney. And, and so you realize that that is really a Johnny-come-lately uh, it it was, but we thought it was the old-fashioned right. religion. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. it. It's the old-fashioned religion, but it, it's only 100 years old. You know? it's <laughs> now, without throwing out some of the truth that's in there. Oh, there's truth there, there obviously. Not, yeah. You know, and not knocking it. Um, how about some other traditions, um, experiences, I want to say, of people coming to genuine faith in Jesus Christ and yet not having anything to do with, let's say, the Billy Graham style? I think in our tradition uh, that uh, uh, I'll speak for myself because we uh, many different traditions out there, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll speak for myself. Um, we in my tradition, I believe, look for faith in our children from an early age. It's not so much that they do a particular thing, uh, but that we look for faith in our children that they're trusting the Lord and then try to reassure yeah. them. Yeah of God's promises and blessings. That is uh, the covenant relationship that they're born into. And we, we, we are looking for the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And uh, uh, that that probably is very much different than the revivalistic mm. tradition. But the experience of Jesus Christ is necessary in both. Yeah. yeah. That's where I grew up. I grew up in, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, which very much has that same kind of uh, covenant family relationship, although I wouldn't use those terms. Um, but when I look at my own salvation, I cannot ever remember a time when I didn't know that Jesus Christ died for me and therefore I was saved. Um, when I was in high school, we started going to one of the more revivalistic type churches, and, and that pastor would not accept it until I, I walked forward. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I did, mm-hmm. but I... I don't consider that the time of my salvation. Uh, my salvation goes way back before then, and I think that's that actually is the normal. That, you know, for a Christian family to have that, and, and the way I illustrate that is when you're a child, uh, or, or just talking, thinking back when you were a child, when did you know did you come to a point of the decision to to say that your parents loved you? Oh, that's a you, good point. You never you never came to that decision. You just always knew your parents loved you. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is very this. much the way my wife uh, grew, grew up Southern Baptist. It didn't have to be Lutheran. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She grew up Southern Baptist, and I used to query her when we were young and dating <laughs> if she was saved or not. And she says, well, yeah. yes. I said, when were you saved? And she would say, well... 
I don't know. I've always believed that God <laughs> that's, loves that's, me. That's right. And she wondered whether you were born again. <laughs> and I wasn't sure she was right yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys caught exactly the drift I, I wanted this to take, and that is there really are sincere, different experiences of God right. saving his people. Um, some may have walked the aisle. Right. Some may have met with a pastor after an evangelistic call, like I did. Um, and your wife, in the Southern Baptist tradition she grew up in, um, there was never a time, apparently, when she... She grew up in a pastor's home. Yeah. That's all she yeah. heard was yeah. the gospel. And you yeah. know what? Frankly, I think that's the ideal. That's yeah. the norm. It, it, that's it, the that, norm. That is, and I look at my own kids, and especially my oldest son, not only did he grow up loving Jesus from an early age, but I think by the time he was four years old... He knew God had called him to be a missionary pilot. <laughs> and the truth of that, he knew he God's call already. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Hey, we got to take a break. Today we're talking about salvation. So far we've discussed uh, different um, traditions or different experiences of how people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it is not a cookie-cutter approach. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Can take a dying man and raise him up to life again. What can heal the wounded soul? What can make us white as snow? What can fill the emptiness? What can mend our brokenness? Brokenness. And mighty Awesome, wonderful is the Holy Cross. Where the Lamb laid down His life to lift us from the fall. Mighty is the power. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. What restores our faith in God? What reveals the Father's love? What can lead the wayward home? What can melt a heart of stone? What can free the guilty ones? What can save and overcome? 
And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today we're talking about salvation. You know, there's different experiences that people have as they come to faith in Jesus Christ. And while the mic was closed, John, you were mentioning uh, an experience that your daughters went through. Yes, they they used to go to a a very uh, well-known summer camp, Christian summer camp, wonderful camp. Uh, I still am very enthusiastic about the whole program. But uh, my daughters have been taught uh, the gospel very early on, and Mm -hmm. I tried to de-link it from some very strong experience as long as they knew that Jesus Christ was their Lord and Savior. Sometimes they would feel Mm -hmm. warm toward that, and sometimes they wouldn't. But anyway, they went off to summer camp their first time, and and the uh, counselors uh, were very disturbed that they did not – get saved in the way or walk the aisle or raise their hand in the way that uh, they expected them to and mm-hmm. really were very concerned about their salvation. And so I queried my daughters when they got home and they said, well, we weren't about to give them the opportunity to say that this summer camp, a Presbyterian minister's daughter got saved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, it just goes to show, I think, that there are various experiences, and um, um, some may have found Christ um, uh, in a um, campground environment or a revival service, but others may have come to know Jesus as a result of a Bible translation on a foreign land, and for the first time hearing the story, the accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ and his challenge to believe on him and be saved. You know, there is a difference, too, between uh, children and adults. Mm -hmm. My children knew they were saved, uh, uh, born again, through our teaching and so forth, and believing the Scriptures, and and they have true faith, and they're in the church and serving the Lord this day. Mm. But my experience as an adult, I had a very powerful emotional experience in an evangelistic service by a Baptist minister. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was quite a dramatic personal experience. But I was an adult. I'd done a lot of sins that I was very shamed uh, over, and uh, and they were shameful. And uh, I had been raised in a good family and rejected Christianity. And when you finally come uh, to a place of repentance and faith in Christ as an adult, it may very well be a very strong emotional experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a very real one. A very real one. And God used it. You know, I was just making a list here. As you guys were talking, um, represented in this room over the course of time is Methodism, Lutheranism, I didn't mention mine, Wesleyanism, Nazarene, um, some Baptist, uh, Christian Mm -hmm. Missionary Alliance, Southern Baptist, Presbyterian. I think the whole gamut is here in this little studio right here today. <laughs> We've had various experiences. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and I was baptized a Catholic on top of that. You were? I yes, didn't know I that. Yeah. Well, you've got to leave this studio right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just and, kidding. And at one point, we used to attend Episcopal Church <laughs> yeah. uh, my, yeah. on my father's side. So wow. there's, there's a commonality in all of this. The commonality is the reality of... Our Heavenly Father, through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, relationship to a people. Um, And I kind of wonder if our listeners may be interested in terms of kind of the order of the way things work. Um, You know, you come to faith in Jesus, and later on you start studying the Bible and you realize, oh, here's some more information 
Um, let me layer that in there in terms of my understanding. Um, in, a, in a logical fashion, um, it might be helpful to discuss what comes first. You know, sometimes people say, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Mm-hmm. I always thought that was a silly question because I'm a creationist. Of course the chicken comes first. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's the kind of question this is. Um, um, person, um, all of a sudden they find that, wow, God's done something in my heart. I believe in Jesus. Let, let me know more. Let me fellowship with God's people. Let me go to church. Let me go to a Bible study. Um, what is the order of these things um, as you fellows have studied the Bible in depth? What comes first? God comes first. Yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you're talking about the chicken coming first. God comes first. And, yeah. and, and he's the one who uh, saw our need for new our need before he even made the creation and so mm-hmm. uh we start we start with god uh we start with his solution mm. it starts before the foundation of the world that's right and um there are a lot of words uh, that you encounter in the new testament once you begin to study our salvation in christ is so rich um mm. and so full that there are a number of words in the New Testament. Uh, there's adoption, justification, mm-hmm. there's redemption, there's calling, uh, there's repentance, there's faith. Mm-hmm. All of these things, mm-hmm. uh, in some way uh, or another, being raised from the dead, being quickened, all of these ways and metaphors speak to something of what Christ has done for us, mm. and and uh, it is uh, edifying to be able to, in some sense, put mm. them together in a certain order. Not that they're temporal, but an order of richness of what God has done mm. for us. So, uh, yeah, it does help, and plus, it helps us when we do this Bible study and get into the scriptures mm. and begin to see how things relate. And why these words? Because they're not accidental. They're in the scripture. And how they relate, it does uh, help us to understand what the gospel is and how we came to faith in Christ. And so maybe one of the first things that we understand is our alienation from God. And that alienation, of course, came through sin. And mm-hmm. and what happened with that sin, and of course that was Adam's first sin, yeah. disobeying God, Adam and Eve in the garden disobeying God, that that sin was passed on to Adam's race. If you so will. it really was. I mean, we, you, some people would think, well, that's Adam way back then. Who cares? But yeah. God cares, doesn't he? Yeah, um, God he, does. he says it's passed on. It is. All it right. is. And so we have what we call, we sometimes call this original sin, but that's original the sin, sin. The sin that, that we have passed on to us. And that's why we all sin. It's n- it's not that we become sinners the first time we sin. We are already sinners when we're conceived, as David said, "In sin, my mother conceived me." And so, because we're sinners, we will sin. And so that has alienated us from God. Mm-hmm. And that alienation is so complete that the Scripture teaches that we are dead, dead in our trespasses and sin. Mm-hmm. And so that leaves us in a helpless state. We can't make up for it, and I think that's one of the misconceptions with people in terms of salvation. Why they have to get saved is because mm-hmm. they're depending on their works or the goodness that they have. But the you Bible know, tells us we have none. You know, you raise a good point there. Um, perhaps a person, uh, you know, walking the, the sidewalks of Kingston or something, 
if you stop them and ask, um, how do you get to heaven? How do you know that um, you're going to go to heaven someday? Perhaps a response might be, well, I, I think I've done a lot of good things. You know, I helped my neighbor Joe do something, and I volunteer on the fire department, and these are all really good things. Um, but they don't quite cut it with God in terms of warranting salvation, do they? When Billy Graham uh, was very active uh, in his ministry, he used to use a phrase very frequently, and I, I remember it as uh, a young man. And it was this. He says, we are sinners by nature and by practice. Mm. Mm. Now, that is very good uh, way to summarize the teaching of the Bible concerning uh, our situation. We are sinful by nature and by practice. Mm. We're born into sin, and we have a sinful nature, and we actually do sins because we have a sinful nature. And a sinner does not want to please God. And we cannot. In fact, the Bible describes our righteousness as filthy rags before God. We need, then, for God to do something for us that we cannot and will not do for ourselves. Hmm. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He says, for by grace, or that is God's favor, you are saved, and it is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Hmm. Mm. And he goes on to say, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So the truth is, we are not saved by works. We are saved by gift. Mm, God's gift point. to us in Christ. That's, it's a free gift. It's not mm. earned. It is given. So this person on the street that we come up to, this hypothetical person, but it happens often this way, who thinks that by their works, uh, by their good deeds, you know, hopefully I'm good enough to get into heaven, that just doesn't cut it. It, it yeah. It's more than that, and wonderfully, it is by grace. It is, yeah. as you've said, it's a free gift. Yes, it, it uh, is, too. Let me go on to say by works, too, but not ours, Christ. Christ ah, yeah. good point. You yes. see, he did something for us in himself because of who he was, the sinless Lamb of God, that we could not do for ourselves. Therefore, uh, the work of Christ, his, his death, burial, and resurrection, his life, he is a saving event when he came into the world mm-hmm. because he came what? To seek and to save the lost. Mm. So, yes, there's a work, but that work uh, is so that we might be saved through grace. Yeah, and I think anyone who, who depends on their own works, and you'll find many people who will say, yes, I think I do more good than, than bad. Mm. I would be so bold as to say there's nobody who has that belief that has assurance of salvation because they, they, in their heart of hearts, always are wondering if they've ever done enough good works to overcome all those. Even Luther, with all of the the penance that he did, he would torture himself. In fact, he, Mm. when he used to go to, uh, was a Stalpitz, he used to go, Stalpitz was his uh, confessor, and he would always confess all his sins, and he'd be on his way out. And I, one more, one more. Mm-hmm. He used to drive Stelpitz nuts, you know? He you know, essentially he, told him one time to relax. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and, 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 and you see, the problem is that even with all of this, Luther never knew whether his good works were no, enough. he had no peace. And, and so there yeah. is never any real peace if you're trusting yourself. Well, and it's only Christ's works 
that give that assurance. Well, I see we're out of time almost already for this a plain answer today. Let's talk just a little bit about that piece. Um, maybe there's a listener out there today who, you're on the fence. Uh, maybe this is the first time you've heard it explained this way. God is, he's calling you. You've heard oh. the gospel here today, and he's calling you. Um, we've heard that uh, salvation is, is a free gift. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And yet there is a human response as God grants you that gift of faith to believe on him what is the proper human response now proper human response is to believe and trust in christ alone it's simple isn't it it is just trust in christ (laughs) because he is the sinless son of god yeah and his sacrifice does completely pay for our sins and this is what all these groups that we just mentioned a while back all have in common that you must be born again. Yeah. Um, receive God's free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ today. Don't put it off. Um, God is calling you today. Bow. Ask Him to forgive you for your sins. Receive His salvation. Receive His forgiveness. And um, find a good church to go to. Boy, I tell you. Um, our day and age, people don't really want to go to church, but that is where the blessing is. Um, get in yeah. fellowship with God's people. Maybe there's a Wednesday night meeting. Maybe there's a Bible study, a prayer meeting. Uh, maybe there eventually will be a missions trip in your future. Get with God's people, and God will, I want to say, he'll bless your socks off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, John, maybe a wrap-up thought. Well, very well put, um, Salvation is a free gift received because of the work of Jesus Christ. And he he died not only uh, for me, he in fact through his Holy Spirit comes and calls me to himself. Mm -hmm. And I have no doubt that he is calling people today. And of course, uh, he knocks at the door of our heart. And uh, I love that uh, final uh, passage in the book of Revelation where he says that he knocks at the door and he will come in and sup with us and we will sup with him or eat with him. What a marvelous uh, invitation that is to know God, to know him and to have the knowledge of God and the peace of God in our heart. Amen to that. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Today we've had the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. This is a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Write us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address, ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Power of the cross.